change around my team, yeah, we off the leash. You could look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up, cause with everything we drop, we can score it when we wanna. Welcome to Pods Community. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Mike, we got a jam-packed episode today. We got to talk about Mike Filer coming back. We're going to have a little fun by ranking the logos of the CFL teams. Uh, this is something that kind of took off on social media, and 3Down Nation is doing a poll as well. Uh, but we're going to have our fun, and we're going to rank them 9-1. Uh, to one. And then we have some questions. First time we've opened the mailbag in a while. But the first thing we have to start with, of course, Mike, is the upcoming Board of Governors vote on June 14th, this upcoming Monday. This is basically going to be where we find out if August 5th we kick the season off or if there's a further delay or if there's a cancellation. Or, I mean, it, this could go a number of ways. I'm choosing to live on the optimistic side of things and thinking that we are going to get the go-ahead and that we can do the countdown to August 5th and we can get back to loving the game of football and CFL football in, in particular. But, Mike, what are your sort of thoughts on this vote, where it stands, and kind of what, what could come on Monday? Well, ultimately, I think it's going to be a yes vote. Um, I don't know if it'll be a unanimous yes vote because obviously the rumblings out there is that Toronto and Montreal may not want to uh, put a team on the field this year, and that's uh, if those, you know, if that's the case, and that's really disappointing. Um, I mean, you own a, you own a franchise, you should uh, have some faith in it and, and want to get a team back on the field. I mean, every single sports league under the sun on planet Earth. Um, <clears throat> is back playing at least by 2021. You know, you know, most were back in 2020. Maybe some took uh, took a year off, like the CFL, but not many. So it, it's vital that every team is on board and uh, and gets back to playing CFL football in 2021. Because you know, if if something happens and and uh, every team doesn't want to play, and then there's a delay, it, it'll be catastrophic to this league. The optics I, look terrible, so let's let's just get back on the field. Yeah, I, I mean, so all the stuff that's coming out with the the CFLPA putting out the release that they've agreed to an amended CBA, I thought was a very strategic move on their part, basically saying the ball is in the owner's court now. We've agreed to their changes. We're ready to suit up and get back on the field. You also have the Canadian Premier League and the Canadian Elite Basketball League returning later this month. Uh, both uh, the CPL will be operating out of a bubble in Winnipeg for the first month of the season, but the CEBL will be they're They're playing games in their home markets. They'll be traveling. Uh, they also believe they'll be the first pro sports league in Canada to really uh, like, I know there were some fans at the, the Montreal Canadians games and maybe the Winnipeg Jets games, but uh, they're, they think that they're going to be the first league to really have fans back in the stands in sort of a meaningful way. 
and that's an indoor sporting like they don't play basketball outside that's like they played the hamilton's got a team the honey badgers they played old cops coliseum the other teams they play indoors and they're going to have fans back in a closed environment yet these open air stadiums sit unused to me there's no way this this can't go in the positive for us fans this is this is all on the owners now, quite frankly. But there, I, I just I don't see any way, with despite all the reports of Toronto and and Montreal maybe not wanting to play, I just can't see any way in which this doesn't result on Monday and us hearing that we're we're back and August fifth is the kickoff date. I, I don't know what excuse the league will come up with if this goes the other way. That's 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 where I'm kind of at on this. I just don't know. If they, they I, I mean, I just wrote a piece for three down comparing the start of all of this with the CPL and the CEBL. And basically my my conclusion was the CFL is out of excuses. There's no reason why there should be a no vote and this thing shouldn't be getting kicked off as it should be on August 5th. Yeah, I totally agree. There's <clears throat> you're right. There's no excuses. Uh, you know, they. There will be allowed a certain percentage uh, of fans in the stands. I'm pretty confident by the time the, the CFL season starts. So, um, yeah, you're going to lose money. But guess what? If you don't play this year, uh, it's going to make things even worse. So just just vote yes. You know, maybe they, maybe Toronto and Montreal have their hesitations. Maybe they inside they really don't want to lose that money and they don't want to put a team on the field. But I believe even if they feel that way, they're going to vote yes because they just, you know, if they don't, then then throw the throw the keys on the on the table and give up your team basically because um, it just looks so bad on them. I mean, how is it going to look to the employees of those teams that the owners are like, no, we don't want to we don't want to play. It's not worth it. You know, we don't want to pay any of you players, any of your coaches, any of the staff, the equipment staff, whatever. Um, I just think that they ultimately they will vote yes, even if they don't really want to play. I think the same. I mean, this vote isn't going to be made public, but we're going to know the outcome. Like, we're going to know exactly who voted what. And we're already well aware of some of the votes. We know, I mean, Winnipeg, where the CPL is going to play, the owner of Valor FC, the Winnipeg squad, is the Bombers. Like, that's the same group that owns both teams. Bob Young, obviously, owns Forge here in Hamilton. Bob Young has made it known that, and I I think even Scott Mitchell said, They'd be willing to play in Hamilton without fans. Uh, the uh, owner in Ottawa has said the same thing. So we know that there are teams on board. We know Saskatchewan's ready to go. We know uh, where you are out in Alberta. Uh, the premier there has basically said by the time summer rolls around and the CFL starts, you could have capacity crowds in Calgary and Edmonton. Uh, BC is a little bit of an unknown, but there was talk not that long ago where I think uh, – the president of the Lions said they'd be comfortable with around 5,000 fans in the stands to start the season. So it really only comes down to what we think is going to happen with Toronto and Montreal. And from everything public, we've heard the Owls are ready to go. They've been pretty upfront about that, but we've also heard reports privately that maybe they're not so keen on it, but they're, they're saying at least saying so publicly. And the articles, we don't know. MLSC hasn't said a damn thing. And I mean, they've gone about signing some players in the last little while. So that kind of leads you to believe that they think that they're going to have to put a team on the field. I just don't see from what I think it was Dan Barnes of, uh, of the Canadian press that said it has to be a more than two thirds majority vote to start the season. 
that means seven of, of nine. And if we're only really concerned about two, and really I think the Owls, if, when push comes to shove, would vote with the group and we're really only worried about one then, I see no reason why we're not getting a unanimous vote because at the end of the day, they're not going to want to be the lone team that sat out there. Like you said, how's that going to look to their players? How's that going to look to their employees, their front office staff, all those guys where they just like, yeah, we don't want this. So it's like, I think at the end of the day, we'll hear maybe reluctantly that it was an, a 9-0 vote in favor of playing, but I don't see any way in which this doesn't come out as a as a, we're playing football on August 5th. And the, the interesting thing to me about all this too, there was a quote from Dave Naylor. I can't remember where I saw it, and I don't have it directly in front of me, but he said something to the effect of if it's an 8-1 vote, um, the one may, basically meaning the Argos, that they'll basically dare the, the team that voted not to play not to play, which I don't really understand. Because how many sports leagues do we see where they have these votes on things and it's never unanimous? I mean, Al Davis, famously the former, the, the now deceased owner of the Oakland Raiders, famously voted against everything the NFL tried to do, and yet they still went ahead and did everything they wanted to. So I don't really understand this idea that if the Argos or the Owls say, okay, we're, we're, we're not, we don't want to play, how they will just, how, like, what, where is this is dare to, like, not open, you know what I mean? Like, I, I just don't understand where this idea comes from that, if they need seven out of nine to vote yes, and then everyone goes along with it, if that happens, how these other two teams or, or the Argos, if it's them specifically, can just say, no, we're not doing it. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Right, yeah, well, I hear you. I just, like, I mean, I'm pretty sure Al Davis probably never voted, like, he didn't want to put a team on the field. I, I think oh, that... no, 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 for sure, for sure. I'm just saying yeah, that, like, yeah, whenever they did, like, rule changes, he just right. always... I just remember there was a thing where he just always voted against it because he had to be like this maverick. Like, because Al Davis was a weird dude, right? Yeah. I, but you're I right. If there was ever anything, where, I'm sure if, there, if this had occurred during Al Davis's tenure, he would have been like, he would probably been the first one to say, let's get back on the field. Right. So, like, if if the Toronto Argonauts, MLSC, really doesn't want to put a team on the field, then, you know, they probably won't. Um, they, I think, the, you know, the vote, if it was 8-1, to one, I, I still don't think they'd have to. Um you know, you'd think like, oh, they'll be hurting their fan base, but maybe they think, oh, we don't have a big enough fan base to even, it doesn't even matter. Like, yeah. they we don't make money off the fan base that we have now, so what's the point of putting a team on the field? Now, that said, I'm getting back into those negative thoughts, Josh, so I'm, I'm going to try to get out of this little funk right now and say that, uh, yeah, I don't think they'll go that way. Ultimately, I don't think they'll go that way. I think that the shame will be too much for them to not put a team on the field. They will play this year. They will lose to the Ticats, you know, twice or whatever it is, and uh, life will go on. So we will have football in August. I'm pretty confident on that. And that ultimately is what I'm most looking forward to on Monday, is that after this vote, which I think we're both in agreement, we believe we'll vote yes, the CFL will be back playing games starting August 5th is that we can put the past 15 months of talking about business models and the XFL and everything that's wrong with the CFL, we can put that all behind us. We don't have to talk about it anymore. And we can go back to being fans. The reason why we talk about football on a, I mean, for the past 15 months, it hasn't been a weekly basis because there hasn't been a lot to talk about. But for the most part, we talk on an almost biweekly basis if you look at how many episodes we produced over the course of the show's run, the reason we, we're fans is, is because we love the game of football and we can finally watch games and we can cheer on our teams and we can cheer on our players. And it will just be nice to not have to talk about everything that's wrong with this league. 
like we have been the last little while. Because quite frankly, and this is kind of pulling the curtain back a bit, as much as I love sitting down and talking ball with you, the last 15 months, and, it may, and maybe you agree with me on this, it's been trying to kind of come on here and talk about stuff because almost everything has been negative. And I know I get painted with the negativity brush a lot. Um, I'm very critical of the league when they make mistakes and when they do things that I don't agree with. I think you are as well. I think you may, maybe you're a little more forgiving than I am, but maybe I'm just a little more cynical than you are. I don't know. But either way, it's, it's been very trying getting up to try to record a show when it's just like, oh, we got to talk about how this, the league is, is terrible and how the, there's no money and how – you know what I mean? It was just – it got to be a, a, a bit much. It was just too much sometimes. And now that we're on the precipice, we're – as we record this, we're recording on a Saturday morning. We're about two days away from potentially putting all of that behind us. And, yes, it's still going to be there. We don't know what's going on with the XFL. Yes, we know the business model needs fixing. Yes, we know there are things wrong with the league. But we can talk about games, and we can talk about training camp, and we can talk about position battles, and we can talk about projected starting lineups and all the fun stuff that being a fan of sports entails. That is what I am most looking forward to come Monday is that we can finally put the last 15 months of everything awful behind us and have something to look forward to. Yeah, we get to talk about uh, guys like Brandon Banks and, and uh, Jeremiah Mazzoli and our, our great receiving group and our great defense and our great offensive line that's uh, even got better um, recently. So, yeah, it, it's exciting. I, I'm, I'm also sick of talking about the business model and all that other crap. Um, I just wanted to talk Tiger Cats football, what's happening on the football field, and uh you know, I want to talk about Tiger Cat wins again because we're going to get a lot of them this year. So, uh, speaking of the offensive line, Josh, let's move uh, on. Signing this week, the big signing this week. Our boy Mike Filer is back, and I'm pretty excited about that. How do you feel? Yeah, I when I saw this new, well, I mean, you you're the one that texted me because I was at work when it happened, and I was I was surprised because we had heard Steve Milton, who if there's one guy plugged in the Tiger Cats, it's Steve Milton. Not that long ago, probably just before free agency, he said Filer wouldn't be returning. The team wasn't going to be offering him a contract. And then a few months later, bam, the longest-serving player returns for his ninth season with the team. Uh, I do wonder what this means for the offensive line. Obviously, they haven't been on the field, so it can't be anything where they're like, oh, we don't, we, what we've seen out of the young kids we don't trust. But I do wonder if maybe this is, it's going to be a shortened season. There's going to be no preseason games they're not going to be able to evaluate some of these younger Canadian offensive linemen like they would in a normal season. You bring back a guy like Mike Filer, maybe this is his last season with the Ticats, but he knows the system. You don't really have to get him up to speed on anything. Maybe that's sort of the reason why ultimately they decided, hey, let's bring him back. Uh, like you, I'm, I'm happy he's back. I'm a fan. Uh, I, I've always liked my, I mean, he had a very unenviable task of filling in for a, a beloved player such as Marwan Hage. And I think he spent the last, which I can't believe it's almost been a decade that he's been the starting center for the Ticats. Like it doesn't feel that long ago that, that he took over, but I mean, it was what, I think 2014 was his first season as a starter. And that was seven years ago now, which it doesn't feel that long ago, quite frankly. Um, but no, I'm, I'm very happy he's back. I think it adds another veteran presence to the offensive line. There's still obviously the one big question mark on the line, which is who's going to play left tackle. But this does fill sort of a uh, answers answers a question, I guess I should say. Uh, who's going to be the starting center? We know it's going to be Mike Filer. You were obviously very excited, right? Yeah, I, I was very thrilled. Uh, just 
very surprised like you as well. Um, I remember in that article, though, I think Steve Milton said, don't be surprised if they bring him back at some point. Though. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I managed that, imagine that, but I remember reading that. Um, so, yeah, Filer's back. Um, we almost have our offensive line intact from 2019 minus uh, Riker Matthews, which, you know, it would be great to have him, but he's gone, so we'll be moving on to maybe maybe they'll fill in with Tate, the the new kid at left tackle. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm I would have been okay with them going in with the, the new center, you know, bringing one of the new kids that they drafted. I'm sure they have they they think very highly of them, but uh, it's just like a, you know, it just makes me feel better that they have Filer in there. You can slide him in, like you said, he doesn't have to learn the offense or anything new. And uh, this now this offensive line is looking pretty good, and you get some time for Jeremiah Mazzoli to do his thing. You know, I noticed in 2019 some of the routes. You know, it takes some time for them to complete, um, so you have to have that protection up front. And um, I'm pretty excited about it. You know, from left to right, you know, you, the left tackle is a question mark, but yeah, you have Brevenberg, then Filer, then Soraco, then Van Zyl. I mean, that's a pretty good foursome right there. So if uh, they can find a decent uh, replacement for Matthews, I think, will be pretty good on the offensive line. Yeah, like the definitely the familiarity, I think, is is a big reason that they ultimately opted to bring Filer back. Um, but yeah, I'm like, yeah, look at that offensive line, and yeah, I mean, how many seasons have we gone into with oh, questions about the left tackle position, and they always seem to find someone. Um, I mean, Riker Matthews, no one knew who he was. Now, I'll, I mean, at first he filled in at, at right tackle, and you know they had Tony Washington, but then they traded him, and it, it's been a bit of a revolving door there. But I think if you have those four guys up front, I think even if there's a little bit of a drop off with whoever ultimately replaces Riker Matthews, I think that it won't be so precipitous that you're that we're going to be sitting here like we were at you know the start of the 2017 season, and it was just like. I just remember after that first game that they played in Toronto where the Argos just absolutely demolished the Cats and it was like these these tackles they they don't they can't play. Like these guys are not starting caliber players and they were, I believe both right and left were rookies that year. So I I feel like I don't know, I think the team's in a, le- a lot better position with these four being solidified and then we we have the question mark out left. So I'm uh I'm cautiously optimistic that this is going to be a pretty good offensive line once the season kicks off. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm optimistic, optimistic that this, uh, Ooh, even though... Look at you! Now that they brought Filer in, you know, collectively, I think they'll be able to help out that left tackle position if he needs it. You know, maybe they, you know, get the running back to keep an eye on uh, whoever's rushing the left tackle and maybe help him out a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think that uh, whoever's the quarterback, and I'm... You know, we can go back and forth. Who's is going to be Mazzoli or Evans? We, I think, we both think the same on who is going to be. But I think whoever's back there is going to have uh, a lot of time to throw to all these great receivers that we have. You know, guys like Acklin and uh, Posey and Banks and you Ray know Madison. Uh, like that's a, that's a lethal. Oh my god, I'm already getting I'm already getting all the the warm fuzzy feelings inside because we're actually talking talking football what about this though for the yep. offensive line what if they kick revenberg out to left tackle because he's played back one thing i remember is is when he was drafted the, the big thing was because he was a ken austin draft pick he was versatile he had played everywhere on the offensive line what if they kick him out to left tackle and then you put one of those young guys maybe jesse gibbon maybe coulter wood one of those one of the the younger guys hasn't really played a lot i mean wood hasn't played at all but 
Gibbon was with the team in 2019. Maybe you you start them at the guard position. You're 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 you got a veteran at left tackle. You got a veteran at center. Can kind of mask any sort of deficiencies with the guard play. Maybe that's a possibility. And then, yeah. again, this is purely speculation. I know nothing. This is just me kind of spitballing here live on the air. Yeah, you know, you never know. You never know. And then, you know, Revenberg got to left tackle. And then when you said put Gibbon in at left guard. Yeah, put Gibbon in at guard. That'd be, uh, be and then a, you go all Canadian on the offensive line, yeah. opens up an American spot somewhere else. Yeah, you never know. I mean, uh, we never seen Revenberg play the tackle position at, at a pro level. But uh, like you said, he's a versatile guy. You know, the the Tiger Cats love to, to draft guys that have uh, – uh, experience at all the positions on the offensive line. So, yeah, you, you never know. And the, I know I've said before that I, if I were a GM, I'd put um, more Americans on the offensive line. But if you have the Canadians that can do the job, then it's just a benefit to the team. Well, I mean, the guy on the right, Van Zyl, veteran, was last we played was the best lineman in the CFL. Revenberg's been nominated for most outstanding lineman numerous times. And then you got to – I don't know. I – it's again just me spitballing, just me getting excited about the possibility of what we're going to see come training camp time. But uh, I don't know, just kind of came to me, and it made me maybe wonder if maybe that's where they could at least start the season, maybe not finish it there. But I think more than likely, uh, I think it's Trevon Tate is the guy you mentioned earlier. Seems like the guy that might have the leg up going into camp as the uh, potential replacement for Riker Matthews. Do you want to have a little fun now, Mike? Because something took over Twitter. Uh, and, and three downs doing a little, uh, kind of jumped in on this as well. Uh, I don't know where it started, but my mentions were filled up with it. And I thought this might be a fun thing to do on the show with me and Mike. So I did, I, I hesitated from actually putting it out there until right now, but someone came up with the idea of ranking all nine CFL logos based on I don't know, very subjective, which ones do you like the best, I guess would be the way to go. So I thought that'd be kind of fun for you and I to do, uh, just, a you know, Something, something light and fluff for us to uh, take care of on the show. We have, we don't have a ton. Of, I mean, the Filer news was really the only Tie Cats news we had to talk about. So, I thought this might be fun. So, what do you think, Mike? You ready to rank the nine CFL logos, starting from nine, going all the way up to what we think is the best logo in the league? Yeah. How do you want to do this? You want to go nine, and then your nine pick? Yes. You yeah. Well, to... yeah. Okay. We'll we'll go back and forth. So, what do you have as your? I'll say ninth, but obviously least favorite logo. I got the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Because all it is is a W. There's no background to it. It's just a W. So to me, the Bombers has to be number nine. They're like the, the least creative. And don't get me wrong. I like the Bombers uniforms. Um, I think they're pretty sharp. You know, that they, they brought back the old school ones a couple of years ago. And I, I really like those uniforms. But the logo just doesn't do it for me. Uh, same. It's a white W with some trim. Like, it's there's nothing there to it. And that's the thing, like... There's a lot of like a few CFL logos are just quite literally fancy letters. And those to me kind of, except for one kind of goes near the bottom of the list. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm almost everything you said, I agree with. I love Winnipeg's uniforms. I love their color scheme. The blue and the gold, I think is a gorgeous co- color contrast, but that's, it's a very plain, basic white W it. There's, there's really not much to it. So yeah, it's, through no fault of their own it's not like it's a bad logo it's just it's plain so with with what we've seen of the other teams that one has to fall in the nine slot what do you have at number eight i got the saskatchewan rough riders at number eight uh once again it's it's an s um you know there's some background stuff 
<laughs> but other than that, you know, it, it's also pretty plain. It, it's not as plain as just a W, but uh, yeah, it's not really doing it for me. I know it's you know iconic and um, you know it sells a ton of merch, but uh, to me, the Riders logo isn't uh, isn't very intriguing. Isn't very interesting. Same. I got that at number eight as well. It's just kind of there. Um, mm-hmm. Their old school logo that they sometimes bust out on Labor Day, which is still just an S. I don't know, but something about that one feels cooler than this one. This is like it's it's not much of an improvement, I don't think. But like this is just it's like you said, it's just kind of there. It's 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 a letter with some fancy accoutrement around it, but it's not. There's nothing that really you know you can sink your teeth into. So. Not not much more needs to be said about that. What do you have at number seven? Red blacks. Um, you know, you got the R. Uh, I think it gets, um, you know, lower on the rankings or higher on the rankings than the riders because I, I kind of like the saw blade. But other than that, it's it's pretty plain as well. So this is going to be controversial. They're going. You are probably going to disagree with me a lot on this, and I know people out there once they hear this are going to disagree with me. I got the Argos. Oh, wow. I don't... Talking boat logo, right? I don't care about... Like, everyone makes this big deal about this boat logo, and it's like, I I don't get it. I just don't get it. It's it's fine, It's but I don't understand. And, and to be honest with you, the A in sort of the shield, I think that's a cooler logo than the boat logo. I think it's much more identifiable. I think the boat logo is just... I don't know, man. I everyone always. I remember when they announced that they were bringing it back, and everyone went nuts over it. I just, I'm just so mad on this logo. I don't know why. It's not that I hate the art. Like I just said, I think the A in the shield it, of all the lettered logo. If, if they still had that, that to me would be the highest lettered logo of the lot. But the boat logo, man, I just, I, I don't get the, I don't get the appeal. I really don't. That's fair. That's fair. I, I I won't say my opinion on it because I don't want to give away where they are on the rankings. But uh, I, I disagree. I think it's uh, a much better logo than uh, some of these uh, some of these other ones. But uh, yeah, okay, I can I can see your point. Maybe it's because uh, you know the Argos fan base is uh, probably skewed a little bit older. Maybe it brings back uh, memories of the you know the golden years of uh, Argonauts football. You know the 80s and when people you know cared more about them maybe it's a bit of a nostalgic thing maybe yeah i could see that and the thing is too like we as ticat fans we have an a modernized logo of what our old logo was and everyone loves that old logo but i we've had this newer one for so long i think i just like and again i'm not tipping my hand as to where i put the ticats logo but i look at the the when they modernized the logo at first, I was like, oh, I don't like this. But the more it's here, it's like, oh, it's a cleaner, it's a sharper image. It's There's just something about it now that it's like I can't imagine going back to the to the old one. The old one looks almost like... Dated. Yeah, that's the best word to use. It looks dated. And maybe if the Argos had updated the boat logo in some way, like it just it looks, it looks old-timey. And it'd be like, have you ever seen it, like when they show like, you see it on, on social media a lot too when they're talking about like, oh, what old logo should they bring back? You ever see that old Cleveland Browns logo which looks like it's a leprechaun or something? Like, I don't really understand like why that, what that has to do with the Cleveland Browns. Um, 
But that's kind of what this boat logo reminds me of. It just it reminds me of just like, yeah, maybe you're right. It, you know, it's it's a nod to the past, and they they do have an older fan base. But I don't know. Maybe it, maybe a modernization, a more modern boat logo might have tipped me into putting the Argos a little higher. But I and I don't get me wrong. I also realize this is this is not the majority opinion. Most people love this logo, but for me, it's 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 bottom third of the league as far as logos go. Fair enough. Fair enough. What do you got at number six, Mikey? I have the Calgary Stampeders at number six. Mm. Um, you know, it's a it's a it's a horse. Um, uh, reason why it's maybe it's at six and maybe not you know in the top four or three. It's just like uh, you know the SMU Mustangs have the same logo. Um, uh, the Mustang cars, like it's the same thing. I don't know where they got the logo from. If they took it from you know, Mustang cars or, or whatever. But, you know, to me, it's okay. It's better than just a letter. So that's why it's number six. Okay, okay. Uh, I got the Alouettes at number six. Um, this logo has grown on me. Uh, the new one, obviously, we're talking about here. Um, I think it's a neat design. I just think it's a little plain, if that makes sense. It doesn't... It's there To me, there's nothing... It doesn't, like... It's not easily identifiable with, mm. oh, that's definitely an Alouette. Like the old one, like the Calvillo era one, as cartoony and silly as that one might have looked, I think that was a more, maybe not a better logo, but a more identifiable like logo. Whereas right. this one's just kind of like, it's a hollowed out red M that also looks like a bird, which I do think that the, the M looking like the bird is actually kind of cool. I just think that there's, it's so minimalist. There's not enough to it for me to kind of, put it into like my top the top half of, of my ranking so i got montreal six all right uh at number five i got the bc lions um you know they got bc in there obviously the letters involved but they also got the lion um incorporated in it so i i think it looks pretty cool um so bc sits at number five for me i got ottawa at five and yes it's just a letter um so People might think, well, you know, it's it's a letter with some fancy stuff attached to it, just like Saskatchewan's. But there's something about the stylized R and the saw blade around it and the red and black color scheme. Like, it pops to me. Like, that's a logo. Again, I think it's it's a really identifiable logo. I think, I mean, I'm not going to say if you're not a CFL fan, you'd see then go, oh, it's automatically the Red Blacks. But if there's something about it, maybe it just looks cool. I don't know. I just, I look at it and I just think, no, nah, that's a cool looking logo. So they slide in for number five for me. All right, I got uh, I got Montreal at number four. Um, I I think I think the logo is pretty sharp, and maybe I agree with you that uh, maybe it doesn't pop out as something that you. It's not like the Tigers logo where you go, oh, that's that's the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it looks cool. Uh, I think it looks good on the the new jerseys, the new style that they have. Um, so that's why uh, Montreal Alouettes are number four for me. So my number four, and I guess we got to do a little bit of a sidebar here because this was kind of some of the big news that happened between our last two recordings. Uh, I got the Edmonton Elks. And before we get into the logo, let's talk about the Edmonton Elks. Mike, what do you think of the new name? Uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's fine. It's fine. The Edmonton Elks, um, I think it, you know, it blends in with their history. They used to be called that at one point for a short period of time. I'm not sure exactly when, but it was a long time ago. But, uh, I mean, to me, 
it's I like the logo a lot. Um, I think they did a great job, you know, releasing it and uh, getting it out there. And, it, you know, you can argue about the plural sense of elk and elks and all that stuff. But to me, the name's not racist anymore, so I'm happy with it. I think the name's kind of cool. I think I got the logo at fourth um, only because I don't think I have enough familiarity with it yet. I think it needs to – I need. we need to let it breathe. Because you remember – I mean, we weren't doing the show at the time. But when they announced Red Blacks – as mm. Ottawa's name, it was like, are you kidding me? Like, you couldn't come up with something more original than bloody, like, let's take the two colors and put them together. But now, like, I still think it's a silly name, but does anyone care? Like, no. that's the name. Like, you accept it, you move on. Like, no one bats an eye. Like, I, I talk to people about it. I, even people that don't watch football and, or, or the CFL even, and it's like, they don't even bat an eye. Like, they're like... Like, maybe I'll say Red Blacks, and I'll go, what's that? I was like, oh, it's, a, you know, it's the colors of the team. And, oh, okay, well, you know, people just kind of – sports names are silly. Like, who, who cares what the nickname is? Mm-hmm. But I'm with you. The name is no longer offensive to people. Uh, I think the antlers on the helmet, I think that could be really cool. Um, reminds me kind of the, the eagles, the feathers on the eagles' helmets. I, I think I'd like them to be a little bit more, like, I don't know, prominent or, or – I mean, mm-hmm. we're going to have to see them on the field, too. Like, we've only seen, like, promotional videos, so we don't really know exactly – what they're going to look like, but I think I think that's a cool touch. Um, it's weird not seeing the EE on the side of the helmet, but that's still going to be a, a mark for them, obviously. Uh, I, it's I think it's going to be I think they they hit a home run with the rebranding because they were selling merch like crazy and people are adopting it, and I think that's awesome. Um, I think the, the plural thing. I mean, I, it's a sports team name, guys. Like who 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 cares? Who really cares? Like it's it's whatever like the, the the plural of leaf is not leafs you know what i mean like it doesn't matter but anyway uh i i think that they did a really good job with everything that they did to to announce the new name uh i'm looking forward to seeing what everything looks like on the field i, I think it's kind of cool i think i think this this is a logo and this is a kind of a rebrand that i think will grow on me over time so right now i might have the logo fourth but i think over time this could really ratchet up the right. rankings and maybe even challenge for number one i think it's i think it's i think it has the potential to be overtime really really cool yeah and i think it's just it's kind of exciting for me living in the city like mm-hmm. i'm excited to go to that first game it's kind of like oh i was at the first you know it's kind of like a new franchise is entering yep. the league yep and i know that, that that's not the case but it, it feels that way a little bit and i just want to see you know the first game how they roll it out and you know all the pomp and circumstance and all that stuff so I, I'm I'm pretty excited about it. So uh, if this team no. is not mass producing styrofoam horns to right. sell to fans, especially to sell to kids, they're out of their goddamn minds. Those things better be being mass produced at, before we speak. This should have been done when, as soon as they decided they were going to be called the Elks, they should have been starting production on on Elk because those things are going to be immensely popular with kids. You remember? Obviously, you grew up a wrestling fan in the '80s and the '90s. Do you remember the foam wrestling belts and like there was a like they I had a fo- I had a foam Brett Hitman heart like heart kind of like foam finger deal. Remember the foam fingers how big they were? There was like a foam two by four that my dad bought me at an event one time with a hacksaw Jim Duggan. There were foam nightsticks like kids like foam stuff because you can beat people with it and it doesn't hurt. So if the if I don't see a butt ton of foam antlers at these Elks games, I'm going to be immensely disappointed with Edmonton because th- that'll be the only time that they could have dropped the ball on this. Those things should be in every kid's hands. Maybe even give them away to anyone under the age of like 12 for the first game. I think those things would be massively successful. 
They just better not block my view. You know. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're sitting in front of a child, I can't imagine he's taller than you, Mike. You're, you're, you're not that small. <laughs> well, what if the adults start wearing them? Oh, well, then. Ah. Uh, okay, that, that's – yeah, a drunk, a drunk adult would take a kid's foam antlers, but I still think yeah. it's, it's something that they should be – they don't have to be super huge. They can, they can, be, no. they can be relatively – Small, but I just, I just think that would be, that'd be. I remember the cob heads here in Hamilton, and yeah. those things were if silly. They the cob heads. Yeah, I mean, if they get the cob heads, they gotta do the, the antlers. You know, cob didn't last very long with the tiger cats. No. So I'm still mad sure I don't have one of those though. I wish I would have bought one. What? The cob oh. head. I didn't. I never bought one, and I wish I would have. It's just such a weird thing. Like you could just take it out and be like, what the, f- corn, you know, corn on the cob on your head. Like why, <laughs> yeah. why, why? Why wear cheese? Why wear watermelons? It's all yeah. it's all silly and fun. Uh, all right, where were we at? Number three? What's your number three logo, Mike? Right. Well, uh, we were just talking about the Elks, and I got them at number three. Um, you know, not much more we can say about it, but I really like the logo. Uh, I like the name, and uh, yeah, I think I think it's you know a modern logo. I think young people will like it. They'll they'll want to wear a hat of the Elks, a shirt of the Elks. So, yeah, that's why they're number three on my list. Uh, my number three is, is the stamps. I know you, you said it was kind of plain and boring, and I can't necessarily disagree with you on that. It is just a white horse, but there's something about that white horse and how it pops off those beautiful red uniforms. Like, Calgary might have my second favorite helmet of any CFL team right now. Just that red with the white horse on it, to me, it just... Uh, to me, it's again maybe because I'm a CFL fan. It's so easily identifiable. It's like I see that even when I see. It's funny because you said it's like an SMU logo as well. And sometimes I'll see for some reason I'll see that horse on people's like trucks here in Hamilton. Yeah. And I do a double take and I go. I, at first I'm like, oh, Stamps fan. That's kind of weird. And I was like, oh, maybe it's an SMU thing. But so there is that sort of, I guess, confusion of brand. But I don't know something about that white horse and that red helmet just. I don't know. Makes me makes me think Canadian football. Maybe it's the Doug Flutie era that I kind of grew up on, and he was there in Calgary. But there's just something about that Stamps logo that I just like. I, I can't really put my finger on it, but I just like it. Right, and I don't think you'll see many uh, many SMU fans up here in Canada. Probably you know, it's not. Pretty, it's pretty niche, you know, uh, college football program. You know, they were. I think they were. They didn't play for a couple of years there because they got in trouble. Yeah, but, they were uh, huge in the '80s, and then they they yeah. they had this massive like oh. paying player scandal or something, and then they were they got what was known as the death penalty, and they couldn't play for like two seasons, and it kind of yeah. crushed them. But then June Jones, former Ticats coach, went there mm-hmm. and kind of resurrected some guys. And I think Bo Levi Mitchell actually started SMU before he went to Eastern Washington. So there's a Stampeders connection there well. too at one point, wasn't he? Wasn't I believe Jeff? so. Yeah, I think he was there with yeah. June Jones. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, All right, so, now we're yeah. into our top nope. two. Now we know which. I think I think if people are listening, they can tell which top two, which two teams are left that we haven't mentioned. Uh, so, Mike, who do you have it in your second spot? Well, obviously, I would disagree with you because I have uh, the Argonauts at number two. Um, you know, I wasn't around for the the height of the boat logo, and uh, even if I was, it wouldn't mean anything to me because you know, obviously, I'm a Ticats fan. But I think it's just it's much better than the uh, the Argonauts. The just the A. Um, now I have a little nostalgia for the, you know, the one they used when it was like the 91, 92 oh, season. Oh, okay. I, was, I thought, I thought you were going to, I thought you were going to bring up the old, like 
Roman centurion with like, remember when they had those on the uniforms like in the mid like when the U.S. expansion era and they used to have like kind of logos on the front like the Memphis Mad Dogs had a dog and the Barracudas had the fish and the Argos had that like gladiator on theirs. I thought that's where you were going with like oh I had this dog I was like oh good god that's a terrible logo. No, that um, was bad. Okay, was bad. okay, you're going you're going with the 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 ninety one A. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of like that one. Um, the newer A, not so much. But yeah, I, I like the boat logo. I think it's uh, I think it's a really sharp logo. I think it would look good on a hat or a T-shirt. Um, if I was an Argos fan, I'd probably have a ton of those, uh, that merchandise. But uh, yeah, I just think it's a very sharp logo and uh, deserves to be number two on this list. Okay, so I have the BC Lions at number two. Um, and I can't quite explain why. It was almost a process of elimination thing because I kind of started from the bottom. Uh, and it was like, okay, what are the logos that I are kind of lame? And I was like, okay, okay, uh, all right. The Argos one, I won't say the Argos one's lame, but again, I, I said my piece on it. I don't need to go and do it again. And then I just kind of ended up with, okay, who do I have left? And I knew who number, like I, when I started this, I had one and I had nine. And that was, okay, I know exactly where these ones are slotting in. And obviously everyone knows, <laughs> I mean, we have the same number one. Everyone knows where we're going here and they're probably going to call us homers, but I will stand by my selection as the number one pick. And I just kind of was like, okay, I kind of like this one. And then I was like, you know, flipping back and forth who I like. And it just ended up with BC at number two. I, I like the mountain line. Maybe I just have a thing for cats. Cause my top two are cats and I hate cats. Like <laughs> yeah. I'm not a big fan of cats, but like I find them annoying and I think they're jerks, but like my two favorite logos are cat logos. That's kind of weird. I don't know. I've always liked sort of the, um, that like growling mountain lion that they have on their logo uh, I've always I've always kind of liked BC's color scheme, like when it's black and orange or white and orange. There's just something about that that I enjoy. Uh, I think it's cool that they've incorporated the B and the C in there as well. Um, so yeah, kind of uh, maybe maybe this isn't the glowing recommendation I would hope for the Lions logo, but I, I kind of do dig and always kind of have dug the Lions logo. So that's why it came in at number two for me. Yeah, it makes me think that maybe I should have put the BC logo ahead of the Montreal logo, but no, no, yeah. I'll stick with my. I'll stick with my picks. But, and, yeah, I agree with you. I like the BC logo. I do. All right. So, number one, uh, we both got the Ticats. <laughs> yep, we do. And uh, Who, who out there is surprised? Raise your hand. Too. No one? Gotcha. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, it's just it – just, it's the best one. I'm sorry. It, it just is. Um, it hasn't changed over the years. I mean, it, it's got modernized, but, this, you know, it's still the same. Um and it uh, it just it, it it's one of the only logos that doesn't have the letters in it. Uh, it's just recognizable. People know that that's a Thai Cats logo. Um, it's nothing. It's like nothing else in in the sports world. Maybe you could say the Bengals are kind of similar, but uh, yeah, I just I just love the Thai Cats logo. Yeah, I think it, I think it's the best. The yeah, best. and obviously there's an inherent bias with us being fans of the squad, but I, I'm the same way. It just this is going to sound lame, but it just looks cool. Like you said, there's no other logo in sports that's really the same as this. Like, I mean, there's obviously no other Tiger Cat team because that's, I mean, objectively, it's a silly name if you don't know the history of it. But, mm-hmm. I'm, like, I'm, I'm sitting here literally looking at a wall of, like, Tiger Cat's memorabilia and just staring at the logo on one of the, one of the scarves I have in my, like, scarf collection here. And it's just, it's just a cool-ass logo, Mike. Like, it's... The, the colors pop. It goes great against a yellow background. I, I think it looks awesome on the helmets. I think the, the secondary logo of just the face is cool. I think the logo where you have it encircled with the white with it where it says Tiger Cats football in it, I think that looks good. 
I mean, I'm even looking at the, you gave me a, a, a scarf from the Guelph here and I'm looking at that and you incorporate some of that red in there. I think it makes a pop even more like it's just a damn fine looking logo. If I do say so myself. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I think that the, uh, the face logo is, is, is amazing too, because you know, that, that brings back memories of the 98, 99 teams. Mm -hmm. Um, there was that one logo the one year on Labor Day that was like weird, but oh, uh, the, when they wore the all white and it was like kind of a yeah, 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 I remember that one. That was a miss, but but you know that's not really part of. That was just a one off. So yeah, yeah I, I I'm you know call us what you want, but uh, the tiger. If anyone puts anything at number one besides the tiger cat logo, you're wrong. I'm sorry. You're yeah, wrong. I mean I definitely could see Argo fans making the case for their logo, and I mean you did have it at number two, so I think. I think that that's. I think a lot of people out there might might rank that number one. But uh, to, to me, it's the Tie Cats logo is clearly the best. I think mm -hmm. the Bombers are clearly the worst, and then I think everything kind of in the middle you can you can jumble together with like a little more preference given to teams that actually have like a logo versus just a, you know an S or an, or an R. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. totally all right. Agree. That was fun. All right, Mike, uh, last but not least, you decided to uh, give a call to all our readers, our readers, Jesus, here, here we go, uh, to all our listeners and said, hey, ask them some questions. You and I haven't done a good old mailbag in quite some time, so we figured it'd be fun to do one now. So you got a boatload of questions lined up. I, and hopefully you, have a boatload of answers ready to, ready to go. So let's get into it before we leave. All right, our first one comes from Troy Durrell, our uh, loyal listener. He has a couple questions for us. Uh, the first one is, which Ticat players are you most looking forward to seeing back on the field when the season starts? So, do we mean back as in guys that, like, can we just pick anyone on the team? Because there's some guys that were never Ticats that I'm kind of excited to see play this year. But there's also obviously some guys that, uh, I mean, the obvious answer is Brandon Banks, Jeremiah Mazzoli, Simone Lawrence. But I'm going to go a bit off the board. Uh, and pick two running backs. I'm really excited to see what Don Jackson can do in this offense, given his speed and versatility. And I'm also really hoping to see a lot out of Sean Thomas Erlington because the last time we saw him, he was poising, poised to make himself one of the elite Canadian running backs in the CFL. So those are two guys right off the top of my head, outside of the obvious answers uh, that, that I'm kind of uh, looking, most looking forward to seeing on the field this year. Yeah, I'm going to go a little bit off the board as well. Um, obviously, I'm very excited, as you mentioned, you know, the Bankses and the Mazzolis and the, the star players on this team. Uh, I'm excited to see them play. But I'm going to go with uh, Julian Hauser at defensive end. I think that uh, he's a star in the making. I think that he's going to have a really breakout season. Um, a guy like Jalen Acklin, you know, who's also a star in the making. Um, just, you know, we saw what he could do. In 2019, I think he's going to have a little bit of a more prominent role, even with, you know, all the guys that we have in that core. Um, I think he's going to have a standout season. And also, um, I'm with you as well on uh, Sean Thomas Erlington. Uh, all these guys that I mentioned, you know, ton of potential. They showed a ton of potential in 2019. This is their year to really break out. So uh, if I had to pick any three guys, those would be the three. I like those picks. I like Hauser because he's kind of the forgotten man amongst that ridiculously talented Ticats front four. Like, you have legitimately, and I don't say this, like, hyperbolically, but legitimately three all-stars on that defensive line in Jagarit Davis, 
Dylan Wynn, and Ted Laurent. All those guys have been all-stars, either division or league all-stars in their time in the CFL. And then Julian Hazard is kind of, you know, he'll have like eight, nine sacks. He'll, uh, he, he won't get the publicity of the other guys, but he's a damn fine football player. And I think, I'm hoping that this year he'll get a little bit more shine because I think he definitely deserves it. Absolutely. And of course, uh, our boy Dylan Wynn, we got to see what, uh, you know, he's proven already, so I didn't throw him out there. But Yeah, uh, to me, he ranks amongst those obvious guys. Like, yeah, he'll I, be a he's going to be a beast, and we, we know exactly what he's going to do. Yep, absolutely. He's going to so, crush you. He's uh, going to swivel those hips, and we're going to be dancing like Rick Rude in the stands, <laughs> and you'll be doing it at home just like we always do. <laughs> I'll, have my, uh, I'll have my jersey on the whole season. So uh, the second question from Troy is, who do you think is their biggest threat in the East? Okay, this is going to be a bit of a I'm, – I'm kind of going weird here. And I say their biggest threat in the East is themselves. Ooh. And I say that because I think the only way this team does not come out of the East and play at home in the Grey Cup is if they suffer a catastrophic amount of injuries. Um, I think that this team – is loaded with talent. I think there are very few question marks on this roster. I think they are hungry. I think there's just something about having getting the opportunity to win a championship at home that pushes guys through a season. We saw it with, I think most famously, the 2013 Saskatchewan Rough Riders. That team was not the best team in the CFL in 2013. They were a damn good team, don't get me wrong, but they weren't the best team in the CFL. But there was this idea that we're going to play the Grey Cup at home. We're not going to let that slip away. And you saw Darian Durant in those playoffs play some of the best I've ever seen him play. And they had Corey Sheets going crazy. And they bring in a veteran like G. Roy Simon who didn't do much all season but was huge in the Grey Cup. I just think there's something about – I just don't think any other team in the league, especially in the East, is going to be able to do anything to stop them. I think they're a team on a mission – and I think that the only thing that can that can hurt them is if they suffer just an incredible rash of injuries that completely decimates this roster. If I had to pick another team, I guess I'll go Montreal, but I still think Montreal, even as good as they can be, and I think Montreal is a talented team, I think there's a big gap between Hamilton as the best team and Montreal as the second best team in the East. So my, my, my true pick is themselves, but if I have to pick another team, I'll go with the Owls. Oh, I like that answer. I like that answer, and and I'll go with the. Uh, I like to pick your, you know what what you answer with, but uh, I won't be that lame. I'll I'll say the <laughs> Montreal Alouettes, and uh, you know Montreal Alouettes are they're 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 uh, up and coming team in 2019. I think they have a lot of potential. I like what they've done with their team. You know, getting all those uh, Quebec born players because we know that um, Quebec love their Quebecers. So I think that bodes well for them. Uh, public relations wise but on the field I think they're a very you know solid team and I think they'll they'll push the Tiger Cats but I'm with you I think the the Hamilton is on another level um, just with the talent with the coaching staff with everything um, they're better than the Alouettes but I think they'll they'll be able to compete with the, with the Tiger Cats make the games close sure yeah, I, can, I can definitely see that. I think the Argos are going to be better um, I still think Ottawa's a bit away, um, but I, yeah, I just, uh, I don't, I don't see anyone touching the cats this year. I really don't. Neither do I. Now, uh, Troy's final question is, 
which positional group is the team's biggest strength and which group concerns you a little bit? Ooh, big, well, biggest strength's got to be quarterback, right? Like, they have two guys that can start. We know they can start. They've both been starters. One guy, the last time he was on the field, took him to a Grey Cup. The other guy, the last time he played a full season, was the runner-up for most outstanding player. So I, I think quarterback's got to be got to be the answer for strongest position group, right? Yeah, I, th- I think I think it might be a tie between uh, quarter. Well, I like their wide res- or the receivers quite a bit too. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the defensive line. Is I, I mean, that is a good pick too, Mike. Yeah, thank. Yes, I think that you know we talked about Hauser. Um, he's maybe one of the guys that isn't a, a a star yet, but but will contribute in in massive ways. So across the board, all four guys are a tremendous players. So. I'm going to throw the the defensive line for that uh, for that answer. And what was the second part of the question? What's the biggest weakness? Uh, yes. Uh, which group concerns you a little bit? It concerns me. There's a there's a few, and but it's only small concerns. Like there's a concern we talked about with, when we talked about Mike Filer. There's concerns along the offensive line just because we don't know who the left tackle is going to be. I think there's some concerns in the secondary because Delvin Bro's now retired. We don't know who's going to fill in for him. Although I do think that if it ends up being a guy like Jamal Roll, I think there's going to be a drop-off because Delvin Bro was, I think it's fair to say, the best boundary corner in the CFL for his entire career. So, yeah, there might be a little drop-off there. I think I'm going to go with... It's a toss-up to me between kicker and linebacker. And I know that that sounds weird given that the Ticats have Simone Lawrence and they did sign Jovan Santos Knox. But there's still a question of can Knox play the middle and there's a question of who's going to play Sam linebacker, which is much like the left tackle question seems to be something that we have to ask ourselves every bloody start of the season in the training camp. I think I'll go kicker just because I don't know who is going to kick. We don't have any idea. We, we know that there's some kickers in the roster. They signed, uh, I think it was Gabe Ferrero, who, who's played some games in the CFL, and they have a guy, I think his name's Matthew White. Uh, I just, we don't know who's going to kick. We don't know how they're going to do. It's not like we have Liram back there or we have Justin Medlock back there. It's, to me, kicker is once again, which also seems to be, it seems like every time we start a season, it's left tackle, it's Sam linebacker and it's kicker that we tend to have these conversations about almost every year. So I think because the linebackers, regardless of who else plays, have Simone Lawrence, the runner-up for most outstanding defensive player in 2019, I think I'll go kicker and say kicker is the one position that has the has the most concern for me going into the training camp right now. I mean, I hate to give the same answer, but uh, I feel the same way. Uh, the, you know, the kicker, punter, that group, I think – there's there's just question, but we don't know these guys. Gabriel, uh, White, um, you know they could be great, they could be not great. Um, so that's that's a concern for me. And you know people think you know it's maybe it's just the kicker or the punter, but they, in the CFL, as everyone who's listening to this podcast knows, is a big deal because there's more kicking and punting than in the four down game. Um, so to me the question mark of who's going to be kicking field goals, who's going to be punting the ball, who's going to be getting us rouges and, and threes is, is a, is a concern for me. So I'm going to have to uh, agree with you on that. Well, and think about this. And again, I, this is, this is very rudimentary thinking, but I, I just wanted to put it out there and I'm not ex- laying all the blame on one player here, but look at the difference in how good Liram Hirolahu was in 2019 versus 2018. He was good in 2018 
He was great in 2019. And look at the difference in the team. His kickoffs were better. He wasn't kicking the ball out of bounds all the time. He was always amazing on distance from field goals, but he got better inside the 40 as well. So having a quality kicker, especially if he's a Canadian, can make a very big difference for a team. Because look at the Ticats in 2018 versus the Ticats in 2019. Not a lot of change in, in personnel. The kicking game did get better, and the team got better. So it, it maybe that's that's too simplistic of a of an explanation. But you can't look at the team and say, I, I mean, I don't think anyone who watches football will go, kickers don't matter. But you look at how how the kicking game can kind of impact the league, and also not having a veteran there, maybe they don't know. We know Jeff Reinbold likes to do some weird things, onside punts, stuff like that. You have a veteran kicker there, a guy like Liram or Justin Medlock, who who Ryan Bull worked with before. They understand that a little bit more than say a new guy coming into the league who's like, "What the hell is an onside punt?" Like you know, yeah. like it, it. Maybe there's a little more confusion. You know, you don't get to steal that possession. It, it, having a quality kicker and a, a quality veteran kicker can make a difference. I think. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Now the uh, next question comes from Janet G. Um, Thoughts on who will play the slot back wires, slot back spot that is left open right now due to Taster being a free agent and have having other priorities other than football. So you, who do you think is going to be uh, the fill-in for Tasker at the slot back? Hmm. Well, I mean, it de- it depends because you have, you know, I think you have Acklin playing the one uh, receiver, the boundary receiver position. I think if they go Canadian, you're going to have the Canadian playing the wide receiver position. And then your three other receivers are, are Banks, Addison, and Posey. So I guess the obvious answer would be Devere Posey. But Devere Posey's not really a slot guy. He's he's he can also play the boundary receiver position, and he's he's not like he's not your you know go over the middle type player. He's more of a take the top off defense guy. I think that might be a reason why Jake Burt was drafted with the first overall pick. I know he's a tight end, but that's a guy that they could split out to uh, to slot back and. Have him fill in that role. Maybe he's an Andy Fantuz type. Not comparing him to Andy Fantuz, but he could have that sort of role, which was kind of the role that Tasker also played as well. So, I mean, they they definitely have the horses, American guys, to to fill in for what they don't have with Tasker being gone. But if we're looking for a like-for-like like comparison or a like-for-like like swap, I think Jake Burke could be the guy. Oh, that's interesting, interesting. I, I'm going to slide Acklin in there and put Posey out wide and then put Burt in that traditional fifth uh, receiver position. So, yeah, I, I got Acklin in the slot. I think he could do a lot of damage there. And Posey, you know, Posey's a great player, and um, I think he could be a deep threat out wide. So, to me, I think you you slide Acklin in that slot back position. Yeah, I can't really disagree with that. I just wonder, have we do we see a lot of Acklin play slot back? Because, like, the motion could be something that he's... Like, Posey, I think, would be more used to the motion. I don't know. I'm just... Yeah. Uh, it's i got to be honest with you. It's just nice to be talking about things on the field for, for the right. first time in yep. forever. So me this too. is all just making me excited, and I'm just yep. – I'm literally smiling while I'm talking to you right now. Like, this is making me giddy. <laughs> I'm with you, buddy. I'm with you. All right. You. Let, you got more? Oh, I got more. Uh, this one comes from Tiger Sammy, our boy Tiger Sammy. Uh, with flight prices dropping within Canada, do you think you'll do more road games? I saw earlier today Kitchener to Winnipeg for $98 return. Oh. Wow. I don't know. I don't know. Like maybe I don't know if I'll be traveling that much this season. Um, and by the time the season is over, the the flight, you know, by the time COVID kind of passes and and 
the the flight prices will probably go back up. So I don't know if I see myself necessarily taking road trips. Um, but I, I could see myself going to like Calgary or something for uh, for a road game this year. But obviously, you wouldn't have to take a flight for that for me. So yeah, do I don't I don't know if I'll take flight to any games. Um, I mean, you know like yourself having a full-time job you kind of lock yourself into your vacation weeks and you got to do it well in advance of any sort of schedule being taken place and i took the week off for gray cup so that because again i was being optimistic that a gray cup will be played here in in mid-december so i wanted to have that time off uh i always take american thanksgiving off because me and my dad like to hang out on that thursday and watch uh watch the nfl games uh i mean there'll be some cfl action that that time of year too so that'll be fun on the on those on those buttressed weekends and then I take uh, Labor Day weekend because uh, I get three weeks vacation. So I take that the week leading into Labor Day where the Ticats play at home. And uh, and it's also my nephew's birthday. And we do me, – me and my family and my friends do our NFL fantasy draft. So, I mean, throughout those weeks, now you know where I can be if you ever wanted to murder me. So uh, I just gave away my entire uh, vacation plans. But I don't really think I have any sort of wiggle room to take any major trips i'll probably go to toronto for a game if there's an ottawa game on like a saturday i could see myself making a trip or a montreal game on a saturday i mean we don't know the schedule yet so like we don't know if hamilton's going to play in winnipeg like we know it's a 14 game schedule we have the feeling it's going to be west heavy for the east teams early um so yeah i mean it would be awesome if i had unlimited dates to take off that would be awesome i would love to go to winnipeg for a game i'd love to go to regina for a game uh, i'd love to go to bc i'd like to, i'd like to see every stadium quite frankly um but i think even even so like you said by the time i'm able to sort of travel uh especially by plane the, those prices are going to be back up to ridiculous prices so i don't think i'll see myself on many more road trips outside of the norm that i would usually take maybe maybe one to ottawa or montreal that might be the only difference right yeah i'm with you i'd love to get to a game in uh Winnipeg and Saskatchewan and BC. I think those are the only stadiums that I haven't been to. So yeah, it'd be nice to complete that. Uh, say that I've been to every CFL stadium, but I don't know. And it would be nice to get a really cheap price on it, but I don't know that it's going to happen this year. Um, another one from Amerifans. Uh, what will the energy be like in the Ticats QB room when Mazzoli takes back the starting job after Dan Evans proved they can start in the CFL and win? Uh, QB's playing window is short and a guy who can win as a starter probably wants to maximize his role and his earnings. See, I disagree with the QB's playing window being short. So I kind of disagree with the premise of the question because we've seen, I mean, Ricky Ray played until he was how old? Henry Burris played until he was how old? Anthony Calvillo played until he was how old? Mike Riley's in his late thirties now. So, and again, obviously these are some of the best to ever do it. So it's, kind of unfair to compare a guy like Dane Evans to them, but I don't, I don't think his window is all that closed. I, I, or short. I think he, I think he's in his maybe late twenties. He's definitely not 30 yet. Mazzoli's I think barely in his thirties. So I don't think either of these guys, I mean, if they stay healthy, I think these guys could both have, you know, nearly a decade left in their career. So I don't think there's any sort of worry, at least from my vantage point of, of who the starter is and how that will affect everyone. I think I think Dane Evans, knowing his contract and knowing Jeremiah Mazzoli's contract, is well aware that Mazzoli will more than likely be the starter going into the season. But, I mean, how many times have we seen backup quarterbacks in any sort of sports league come in, 
play well, but then ultimately cede the position back to the incumbent starter. I mean, we saw it in Hamilton how many not that long ago when Zach Claros got hurt and then Mazzoli came in and won a playoff game and very nearly got them to a Grey Cup and then played pretty darn well when he was the starter to start the following season, set the record in a game you attended for most consecutive completions, but then went back to the bench. And you know, I, I, I honestly, I think this team, how it's constituted, how it's run, who is the head coach. I think that, I think if this was the Kent Austin era, I think maybe this is a little bit more acrimonious, but I just, you look at Orlando Steinhauer, doesn't he just give you a calming presence? Like mm-hmm. he doesn't, he just, it just feels like any sort of issues that could arise he'll find the right way to handle it. I, I don't think this is going to be a concern with the Ticats at all. I think it'll be, I think media, I think a lot of people outside of the fan base and other fan bases will nitpick at this Mazzoli throw a pick and people will be tweeting, oh, they should put Evans in. I mean, there'll be fans in the Ticats. I, 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 Tim Warren's field saying the same damn thing. But you know what I mean? Like there's always going to be that. And because we know how good Evans can play, I think there's there's might be a little bit more of it, but... I mean, look, the Red Blacks made it work with Henry Burris and, and Trevor Harris for, uh, what was it, a year? Maybe two? No, I think it was only one year. Um, so I don't – this is the last year of this experiment. This is the, At the end of this season, both guys are free agents. One will be gone somewhere to be a starter, and the other will be back here. here. So I think for one season, I don't really think it's going to be much of a concern. No, I don't think so either. Like you said, you know, the fan base, um, everybody's favorite player is the backup quarterback. Always. But, but inside that quarterback room – Listen, I think that Jeremiah Mazzoli and Dane Evans are professionals. Um, they, they'll they go into training camp and they'll compete. They'll want to be the starter. Both of these guys want to be the starter. Of course. But whatever happens, they will be, you know, they'll be good teammates. Uh, they know the situation. They're both, you know, responsible adults, uh, good teammates, good leaders. So whatever happens, whoever the starter is, I think the backup will, you know, accept that role. And know that it's it's about the team. So I don't have any concerns about uh, you know conflict within the locker room or within the quarterback room. Well, and here's the thing too: with Evans being the son of a coach, and so I don't think he'll be a problem. And Mazzoli opted to come back. He could have gone anywhere. He could have gone to Ottawa. He could have he could have gone anywhere he wanted. I like Ottawa and Toronto had quarterback openings. He could have signed there for probably more money than he got with the Tie Cats. He opted to come back. So he knows there's the possibility he could be the second. You know what I mean? Like both of these guys are acutely aware of the situation, which tells me that I don't foresee there being any problems. Unless, of course, you know, Orlando Steinhauer, like whoever gets named the starter, goes out there and throws five interceptions a game and Steinhauer is too stubborn to make the switch. Then obviously there'll be problems. But other than that, I like which I don't foresee happening, quite frankly. I, I This doesn't this feels like it's a story that's percolating for no reason other than everyone always wants her to be, well, who's, who should be the starter when you have two guys that can, you know, can both go. Yeah, I totally agree. Now this one is a non football related question. It's more towards me um, from Fonzie Van Dam. Does Mike need a hug and or hugs? He seems a bit cranky lately. <laughs> you have been a bit cranky lately. What's going uh, on? Yeah. I think that it's a combination of things. Uh, this COVID, stuff has like you know gotten to me a bit um all the cfl negativity you know not playing last year and i know it's just a game but it it brings me happiness to know that it's it's going to be happening and just life in general you know i just need to stop tweeting when i'm in a grumpy mood and (laughs) i'm I'm trying to do that now i'm trying to be more positive so 
that will be my goal to be more positive as we go forward here. But yes, I was, I have been a, a bit cranky lately. So my apologies to everyone. <laughs> Here's the thing though. If Monday goes the way we want, we're mm-hmm. going to be so freaking positive. People are going to be sick of it because all we're yeah. going to want to talk about is what's going to be coming up in August. Exactly. So, you know, get football, get me back to a football stadium watching live football and I'll be uh, in a better mood for Mikey, sure. Mikey, no longer cranky. Mikey, be likey. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> now, this isn't another one that's probably for me. It's uh, <laughs> if uh, it's from Mick Ozzy. If any uh, PC woke types tell someone from uh, tell someone off for wearing Edmonton Eskimos gear or Edmonton gear at a game, should they be told to shut the hell up or do they have a point? Listen, I I think that there will be conflict between people who are wearing the old gear. Um, there'll be some jerks, you know, that just don't want the name to change. And I think that there will be some conflict, but we just don't have to worry about that. I mean, the name has changed. You just got to deal with it. It's the same organization. There's the same history. Um, just support what it is now or don't come to the games because, you know, the, the name was racist. It's gone and it's good. It's gone. Okay. So, um, that's my opinion on that. I think there will be some dummies that stir trouble. But uh, just try to ignore them. It'll be the same type of people who walk into establishments over the last 15 months saying, I'm exempt from wearing a mask. It'll be the mm-hmm. same people who refuse to to call transgendered people by their preferred pronouns. Like, there's always just people out there who want to be jerks to be jerks. But I don't think you're going to see a if, – if someone walks into Commonwealth wearing a Ricky Ray jersey or a Calvin mm-hmm. McCarty jersey or – a Gizmo Williams jersey. I don't think you're going to see fans going, how dare you wear that? You're not... Everyone knows what's going on, but I think you're going to see... I think this Elks thing took off in such a great way. You're going to see a lot of people spending a lot of money revamping their wardrobe. Yes, there's always going to be people who stonk... I mean, for crying out loud, there's people at Ticat games that I see that wear, like, tattered rags of, like, Garney Henley jerseys that look like they were purchased in the 70s. You know what I mean? Like, there's always going to be... Those people, it's their game day tradition, and I don't want to take that away from people. But I, I, I think that they are going to be few and far between, and I, I don't think – I think what you do, the best way to deal with people who are just being jerks to be jerks is to just ignore them. And, I, and you know, easier said than done, and, and I'm <laughs> proof positive of that. I tend to attack my fair share of jerks online, but the best way to deal with those types of people is to just, just ignore it. I think you're going to see – you're still going to see – the old Edmonton gear. I think you're still going to see a lot of the old jerseys, of course, too, because those things are expensive. You pay 200 bucks for a jersey, yeah. and, and it, you know the the most of them just have the double E on it, and they yep. they kind of kept that anyway. So as long as it doesn't say the moniker, then you know they, they, that's that's fine. And well, well, the thing is too, you'll know the people who are wearing just because it's like they're this is what I wear on game day, and I don't want to change that. Yeah. Okay, cool. And then you'll see the people who are like make a spectacle of themselves to right. be like. Oh, well, I'm still an Eskimos fan. It's like, yeah. hey, you know what? Go F yourself. Like, get, yeah, exactly. get, get off your high horse. Move on with life. This exactly. Is, They're the Elks yeah, now. They got a cool logo. And let, let's just, let's let's appreciate that and move on. I'm hoping, I'm hoping there's going to be an influx of younger fans that, uh, you know, help the franchise out, support the name. And, uh, you know, we can get rid of those. <laughs> Um, people who are just obnoxious and uh, stubborn. Absolutely. So uh, we got another one from Eric Tweedy, and we we already covered this. Uh, talk about Mike Filer and what you speculate about the terms of his return. 
why was he not signed and suddenly re-signed? So we, we already got through that, but thanks for the question, Eric. We appreciate it. Um, next one's from Jeff. Oh, yeah, we, the power ranking. See, he wants to know our power rankings. Um, we got this question about 20 minutes before we started recording, so we'll do that on the next podcast. Sounds uh, good. Give us a chance to think about it. Rankings. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, spoiler alert. I have the Ticats number one. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. I, yeah. And, oh, and uh, spoiler alert, I will have Ottawa number nine. Yeah, that's fair. I'll have so. to think about it a little bit more, but I probably have Ticats one, Bombers two, and then we'll go from there. We'll see. Um, we'll see. It'll be fun in a, uh, when we get the chance to record again. Hopefully soon, because yeah. hopefully we got good news coming Monday, and that'll give us an opportunity to sit down and yeah. talk about a schedule and stuff. Either way, we'll be uh, we'll be back here soon. Uh, sure. What do you who do you think the cat starter will be? I'm, I'm assuming he means uh, quarterback. Uh, nah, I'm going to go with Mazzoli. That's same. Um, I mean, we we kind of just talked about Mazzoli and, and Evans and sort of what we think about both those guys. But yeah, I think uh, I, I I think it was I think it was Dunkster I was talking to one time, and he's like, if you ever want to know who's going to be the starter, look at the contract, look at the signing bonus, look how much they make. And that kind of gives you an indication as to who a team's siding with. This is now slight to Dane Evans. We love Dane Evans. Dane mm-hmm. Evans makes significantly less money than Jeremiah Mazzoli. Jeremiah Mazzoli is going to be given every chance, I believe, to be the starting quarterback to start the season. As well he should be. As well he should be. Yeah, I agree. Also from uh, Jeff is uh, who will be the kicker for the Ticats. And, uh, oh, Christ. Yeah, we do not know. No <laughs> we do not know. I'm, I'm, ho- I'm hoping that they're able to find – like nothing against the guys they got on the roster – but I'm really hoping that they are able to maybe bring in another veteran guy. Maybe, maybe they reach out to Justin Medlock, who I know I'm pretty sure is, is retiring or will retire or is contemplating retirement. But, man, I'd love to see them bring him back. And, you know, if Liram can't find a, a way to stick down in the NFL, hopefully maybe bring him back. Other than that, it's a crapshoot. No no clue. Um, little scared, like we said earlier, when we both agreed that that was the one position that we're a little nervous about. Hopefully, hopefully, I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe one of these young guys will be able to do the job. But uh, yeah, a little nervous about that. So yeah, no, yeah. no idea, and that's what scares me. Yeah, hopefully, someone who can kick field goals. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Why don't we just <laughs> Why don't we just score touchdowns? Yeah, yeah, that's score fair touchdowns. Go for two. All, uh, two. And don't never need. punt. So if they score in every possession, always go for two. You really only need a kicker for kickoffs. I don't care how long you're kicking the ball on a kickoff if you're scoring every possession anyway. So, I mean, Christ, you know, put Banks out there to kick for all I care if, right. if yeah. we're scoring touchdowns every drive. <laughs> no, it'd be, it'd be better like put, like, a big guy out there. You know what I mean? Like a, an offensive lineman. Oh, like put one of the backup old linemen out there? Yeah, that'd be, that'd be sweet. Cool. That'd be sweet. Big 300-pound uh, guy that, kicking that, the ball? Awesome. Yeah. I love those fat guy kicks. Uh, okay, so the last question comes from Colin O'Shea. You have a very unfortunate last name, my friend, but uh, <laughs> we'll answer it anyways. Uh, any concerns about the D with the loss of Delvin? I mean, we, we did touch on that a little bit when we talked about what position groups we were concerned about. Um, ultimately, though, no. Uh, yeah, Delvin Bro losing him is a blow, but you look at what's remaining. Cariel Brooks was a division all-star, I believe, in 2018. Tunde Adelike is probably the best Canadian safety in the game and is an emerging star. Uh, they bring in uh, Siante Evans, who I think will play uh, back, uh, what's the, uh, field field halfback. And then you got Frankie Williams, who we, I, I mean, he, he goes out on special teams and he was a starter 
at uh, field corner. So, I mean, there are there are some concerns simply because you don't lose a player like Delvin Bro and replace him with another Delvin Bro. That rarely happens. But I think maybe early on though there could be some hiccups. But I, I think the Ty Cats they have a like I, I last I looked at the roster they had something like fifteen DBs signed, so they got a plethora of options out there. I think they'll find the best guy, and if they don't, they'll, they'll have other guys that that'll be able to to step in and maybe maybe uh, that that we're not talking about today. But uh, I don't know. I yeah, I'll say slight concern, but I I'm not overly worried about how they'll fare losing Bro. Yeah, I'm not. Don't get me wrong, Delvin Bro. You know, like we said earlier, the best you know the best DB that we've seen possibly play on the Tie Cats. You know, he just shut down everyone that. Uh, was in front of him, but I think if you slide in a guy like Jamal Roll, he's going to do a great job. It might be a little bit of a drop-off, but it's not going to be, you know, a huge drop-off that uh, we're giving up touchdowns, you know, in the secondary every other drive for the opponent's team. So, like, I'm just, I'm I'm not worried. Um, I think that the guy that they put in there will do a a tremendous job and uh, will have a great secondary once again. Well, and Jamal Roll has started in the secondary for Tigers. Now he started the other side of the field as the, uh, as the field side corner, but he has, I think was, I think in 2019, it was either 2019 or 2018, but in one of those years, he was like a partial starter, but mostly a backup and he led the team in interceptions. So give him a bigger role, especially if he's playing boundary corner. And if he's as, you know, he's progressed as much as I think he has over the, over the seasons with the cats, he could be a bit of a ball hawk out there. And like Delvin bro never really had much action, but I think Rolk will obviously be tested a lot more. But if he's if he's as good as I think he can be, double digit interceptions could be a possibility. Yeah, he, right. They could be going after him more, and, uh, and he'll make he, him pay on the stat sheet. It'll look even better than than Bro was because yeah. no one ever threw his way. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, yeah. Like you said, give Roll a bigger role, and uh, he will shine. <laughs> Dude, I got to be honest with you, man. This was. The most fun I've had doing this with you in quite some time. This w- we mostly just stuck to football, and that is, I, I, th- I probably said it a half a dozen times already. I can't wait till Monday's yes vote, and then we can this this can be what we do for the rest of the summer, fall, and into the winter. This was uh, this was a blast. Uh, more so, not that I didn't, not that I ever disliked us doing this, but something about actually talking about like all those questions. How many of them were just about on the field stuff? It wasn't about business models and the league and the XF. It was just, let's talk about players in the game. God, that just feels good to be able to talk about that again. It really does. It uh, gets me excited about uh, the August 5th start. And uh, I think we both believe that uh, we will be watching Canadian football in August. And that's, uh, that's a great thing because it's just, uh, we, we love the game and uh, we want to talk about the game. Like you said, uh, we don't have to talk about all the, the behind the scenes stuff. We can just talk football, and that's uh, that's what we're here for. That's why we started this podcast, to uh, talk Ticats football. So it's good to be talking it again with you. The undefeated season starts August 5th and will end December 12th in the hammer with our Ticats hoisting the Grey Cup. And uh, maybe then, Mike, we will get that hug for you, and you won't be grumpy anymore. Yeah, there we go. Now we're talking. <laughs> yeah, oh, man, the Cats win the Cup. Imagine how, how that's, you think we're happy now. Wait until then. This, this we'll, we'll, we'll be unlistenable. We're so arrogant and, and just so giddy. Uh-huh. It would just be us laughing and smiling and not not saying anything for an hour. <laughs> yeah, well, we waited long enough, you know, to 
1999 is a long time ago. So we deserve as a collective fan base to uh, celebrate a championship. And hopefully, hopefully it's this year at home. Yeah, doing it at home would be extra sweet. All right, that was Pods Kiwi for this week. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Eat them raw. Eat them raw.